last Wednesday night I talked to you about the about the royal priesthood of the church. I think that when I I have uh, six or eight sermons on this subject that is a series that I've done years and years and years ago. Um, and I've always thought that it should be a um, trying to think the right word. Uh, it should be a requirement. I put it that way. It should be a requirement for every Christian to study about the church that the Bible talks about. The reason I say that is is because I don't think that many times um, we understand the church. We have made the church to become such a um, common word um, until we don't we don't see it in the way God sees it. We don't relate to it in the way God wants us to. I'm not saying that's everybody. I'm saying when I talk to people, Christian people, that's what I get. The reason that I say that is it's so easy for us to criticize the church. We do it without thinking about how serious it is of what we're doing. It's easy for us to talk about the church. Um, in my time of ministry over the years, I have seen people use their finance to, the way they looked at it, to get what they want done in the church. And I thought if you understood what the church was and God's relationship to what you're to give to the church in finance, you would never cross that bridge because you're on a dangerous bridge. A lady one Sunday morning, she had bought the church a new organ. And uh, I went in one Sunday morning, and there was another two ladies in the church when I went out of the office at the end of the auditorium. People were still coming on a Sunday morning. And she mentioned about wanting someone else to play the organ. I said, well, we right now we have an organ player. You know, back then we played the organ in church. We don't have organs in Pentecostal churches no more, but we used to. And uh, she said, but I want this person to play a while. I said, but I'm not going to dismiss the other person. I said, if she, you know, wants to do something different, I said, we're used to her. And she says, but I bought the organ, so I'll say who plays it. You may think this is wrong, but immediately I said, no, ma'am, that's not the way it'll happen. She said, oh, yeah, it is. I said, no, ma'am. She said, I'll take the organ and leave. I said, okay, take the organ and leave. But you're not going to dictate to the church, the body, one person not going to dictate to the body what's to be done. 
And I'm saying that to say this, not to bring up a bad feeling here, but to point out she didn't know what she was doing. She didn't realize what she was doing, even though I had attempted to explain it to her. Now, I'll give you just a real short version of the whole conversation we had that morning. She didn't recognize where she was placing herself. And it's like when you give your tithe to the church, when it leaves your hand and you've been obedient to God, God has, has asked us for 10%. Now, I give more than 10%. Probably most of you do. But God has asked us for 10%. That's God. I didn't do it. God done it. And I can prove it to you completely from the Bible. And when I turn it loose from my hand, I ain't got no more charge of it. It's in God's hand. And whatever happens, that God and whoever God has put in charge, it's going to be on their shoulder, not on mine, no more. And when you hear people say, I don't believe you ought to pay tithes, that preacher's just going to spend it anyway, you're in, a, you're in a bad place. You need to know that. You need to understand that. The church, the church is, in God's eyes, is, is the most awesome thing that the Scripture talks about. You may differ with me on that. But God birthed the church in his own brain. God birthed the church himself. Man didn't birth the church. Man birthed establishments. Man, man birthed uh, uh, denominations. Man birthed uh, uh, big buildings and, and, and edifices and all them kind of things. God didn't birth them. God birthed the church. It's God's brainchild. It's God's mindset. And God let Jesus, his only begotten son, die for the church. And there's so many scriptures to prove this until I don't even have to hesitate to say this. That's why I say that every person ought to study about the church that God birthed in the Bible, and you are a member of that body. You're like brothers or sisters, whichever way you want to look at it, in the body of Christ, and we become one in God. The church of God, of which I'm a, a, a ordained bishop in, is a denomination, a denomination that... that uh, that I became a part of because I believed in what they taught. But God didn't birth the church of God that I'm an ordained bishop in, denomination. Man birthed that because he felt like this was a good thing. The Baptist church, God didn't birth the Baptist church or the Methodist church or the Catholic church or any of them. But probably in all of these churches, there are believers. There are people that are part of the body of God. It belongs to God. And I thought it would be interesting tonight just because we come to a church of God that I would say something about. I mentioned this in my connect group. The church of God around the world is, is very strong as a denomination. And that's important to me because it is within this this body that I give my tithe. And so it's important to me what they do. You see, all of the, all of the uh, uh, charities in the land, whenever you're going to give to a charity, you need to know what that charity does. 
You know how much they do. Have you ever thought about what the March of Dimes does? You ever thought about how much they use for what they take March of Dimes up for? You, As long as I've lived, I've known about March of Dimes. March of Dimes spends 10% of what they take in on what they do. The rest of it goes to salaries or the big wigs. The man in charge of March of Dimes, and I could get this wrong with another charity, but he either makes a million and something dollars a year or $650,000 a year. I can't remember if it's between him and the, uh, and the other charity. And charities, when you look at them and see how much they're giving to the people they're taking it up for, it'll just about make you sick. It'll make you sick. And you should pick something or another to give you money to that you know it's going to help that person. I'm off on a sidetrack there. Uh, I wanted to mention the Church of God because of its stance on things. If you give to world missions in the Church of God, only 10% of it, is used for administration costs. 90% goes to the mission field. 90%. If you give to a particular missionary and you name him, 100% goes. Don't any of it stay for, for administration. Um, I can give to something like that. I, I, I can give to something like that. And in the Church of God, it is expanded in, in its ministries to 183 countries in the world. How many countries are there? 193 is it 200 something? I think it's under 200, isn't it? 200 countries? I, my mind's not working right. Anyway, the Church of God is in 183 of them. More than 4,300 new churches have been planted. More than 42,000 ministers are bishops in the Church of God uh, denomination, uh, ministering in more than 38,000 local congregations, 116 Bible, Bible colleges uh, and universities. There are thousands of students enrolled to prepare for ministry in all of these colleges and universities. Nine months of this year, because we haven't finished out year yet, the first nine months of this year in the Church of God, there were 735,000 people saved just in the Church of God. And at the same time, there was a half million people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in the denomination Church of God. That's not counting any of the other, other churches. The church is, is the family of God. Now, you know and I know I could not even with a, I couldn't even if I touched my, my finger to water and let a drop fall off, my, my personal finances would not, would not mean no more than that in this big scheme of things. But when I join you and you join other congregations and other congregations and other congregations, and it's all brought together and spearheaded by people that have been chosen to oversee this, then together we do an awesome thing. Think about how happy that makes God. I'm just one little fella in a little old town of Blavel, Arkansas, but listen, I'm in 130, I mean 83 countries 
every day of the year. Every day of the year. There is a church of God planted every week of every week of the year. That's awesome. But I couldn't do that by myself. This local church couldn't do that. But when we put our little bit with our little bit, that's not fun, Mr. Dove. Then it's awesome. Peter said, but you are a chosen generation. He's talking about the church. Peter's going to talk to the scattered Jews because they have become Christians and now they're sort of outcasts from the normal Jewish population. This is who Peter's addressing when he starts talking to them about the church. He said, you are a chosen generation. He wants to show them how special they are since they've come out of what they were in. He said, you are a royal priesthood. I talked to you about that last Wednesday night. And holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to talk to you about the peculiar people tonight. The peculiar people. The apostle Peter continues his description of the splendor and glory of the church here with this word peculiar people. He has depicted the assembly of the redeemed as a chosen generation. They make up one big happy family is the way Peter is saying it. Sort and species of people distinct from all the rest of humanity. Now when you think people look at you and say you're different, you are. Don't be embarrassed if somebody looks at you and thinks you're different. If you choose to pray over your food at the restaurant and everybody stops eating to just look at you like you peculiar, you are. Don't worry about it. Just be fine. You are different. Species of people distinct from all the rest of humanity. Peter graphically portrays us as a royal priesthood. They have a position of royal dignity before God. They're separated from sin and sinners. Are considered to God and, and offer spiritual sacrifices and spiritual services and oblations which are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The living stones are further pictured as a holy nation. Now, I started talking last week with my connect group about holy nations. And they are one nation collected under one head, agreeing in the same manners and customs. This holy nation are governed by the same laws. They are a holy nation because they are consecrated and devoted to God and live their lives in pursuit of God's will and purpose through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody that says they're Christians don't belong to this group. Only those who have declared themselves to be separated unto God by Jesus Christ. 
You can't split hairs about it. It's one way or no way. And and what I want you, to, and I'm, I, I know that I can't get all this in, what I want you to get from that study last week and this week, just two out of the six um, uh, 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 scripts, whatever you call them, I don't call them sermon because they're teaching material, um, is to understand the awesomeness of where you are. If you can get a, a grip on your mind and in your heart and in your spirit who you are and what you are, then you're not afraid to walk with Jesus anywhere you go. You're not ashamed. You're royalty. You're special. You're somebody God is going to defend no matter what. That's awesome. The writer now proceeds to give us the final of the four of the of the four ways of the church or the four parts of the church as in the preceding three descriptions. Much insight is to be found in the church's disclosure as a peculiar people. Now, you Pentecostals that are that are older and you've been in Pentecost all your life, you know that when you started years and years ago when I was in Pentecost, my daddy and them, I was just a boy, peculiar meant that the church acted funny. That's what they understood when they said that's a peculiar bunch of people. That's, that's what they thought, you know. They shouted and they shouted the hairpins out of their hair, and, you know, and all, and they'd call them peculiar. Well, that ain't what this word is here. That's not the kind of peculiar you're talking about. Now, there are times I like to get peculiar that way. I like to see the church get peculiar that way at times. A, close, a closer look at the church as a peculiar people. We are considering this word first because people, because it comes from first in the original text, its basic meaning. This word literally means a body of people. It represents God's people as opposed to other people. It distinguishes them from other people. They're not the same. It, it used of Israel as God's elect people, Exodus thirty-three thirteen. If then I have found favor in thy sight, reveal thyself to me, that I may evidently see thee, that I may find favor in thy sight, that I may know that this great nation is thy people. Psalms 103, know that the Lord, he is God. He made us, and not we ourselves, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Now, a good study, if you ever want to do one, is about the pastor. His pastor, God's pastor. Not any pastor, God's pastor. So, when we apply to the, this to the church also, 2 Corinthians 6, 16, For you are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, God hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Each time it uses this word people, it's, it's laos. Every time this word people is used, it's laos, which means this is not just an ordinary group of people. A crowd gathers out here. That's not the crowd of people he's talking about. There may be inside of that crowd a people. But the people God is talking about is those who he has died for and they have chosen him and he has chosen them. They are called together and that's who he calls this people. Believers are all the same stock. Now, you need to get this. Lord, I keep, for some reason, don't feel like I'm impressing this enough on our hearts. Believers are all of the same stock or family tree because all of them have been born again of God. That's why we call each other, if we want to, brothers and sisters. We have the same D, 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 DNA, DNA. Next time you want to talk about one of God's children real bad and you claim to be one, you need to think about it. Painful, isn't it, when you get down thinking about it? Whosoever believeth is born of God. God's divine seed or nature abides in the believer. Get it now. God's seed abides in your very nature. John 3, 9, no one who has God for his father continues to sin because God's seed is a permanent part of him. Hmm. I need to spend much time submitting myself to the body of Christ, the church. I need to pray much about my position in relationship to church. It's valuable. It's important to God. The word employed by Peter pictures a body of people who are all of the same language. Hmm. God, the God of the church, wants his people to live their lives under the influence of his word. Matthew 4, 4, but Jesus answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God or the Father. Those who, who make up the church are to speak the same language. We're not to speak two different languages. We're to speak the same language. 
I can build brother to anybody in any other denomination as long as they speak the same language. I do. Hello. But when we don't speak the same language, we've separated somewhere. It's, it's, it's that hard or that simple. Corinthians 1.10 said, Now I beseech you, brethren, <coughs> by the mercies of Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing or the same language. Agree in what you say. <coughs> Excuse me. I was concerned about that. Prayed about it. Well, that ain't been open, so have your way with it. I was going to drink it with it, been open tonight. <coughs> Pray for me. The word translated as people indicates individuals who are bound together by certain ties. Now, what are our ties? What are our ties? As children of God, we have chosen association because we have all been born again of the same Spirit, the same Jesus, the same Lord. As children of God, we have close, close association. John 3, 6 said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Ephesians said, 4 and 4, there is one body and one spirit. 1 Corinthians six seventeen said, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So as brethren, we have a very close tie, having been born of the same father into the same family. That's important. I wouldn't even want to start my day without knowing, without not knowing that I had a church I could call on, that I could talk to. As brethren, we have a very close tie. Because of these close ties, the people of God have a common bond, a common soul, a common experience. It is no different. This word means that God has a body of people who are His chosen one, who have been born of His seed, who speak His word and will, and who have a common bond because of their close ties. The word deserves our very special attention, this word peculiar. We're going to look at it before we go. Peculiar. This word deserves our special attention, a this word is an origin of our English word, as is the case with many of our English words. Peculiar comes to us from the Latin language. It is derived from a Latin word which means of one's own property. Of one's own property. This word is true, in turn, is from the root pigus, the Latin word for flock. 
a beautiful picture begins to evolve from this word. The negative consideration. Let me look at that. Before taking a close look at this word peculiar, we need to consider what it does not mean. This English word peculiar does indeed mean strange, odd, and unusual. However, our English word does not stop there. It also means special, belonging to one person or thing and not to another. Further, the English word peculiar is used as a noun as well as an adjective. When used as a noun, it means a property or privilege that is exclusively one's own. That's important. As we look more closely at this New Testament word, we shall see that it conveys no thought of the weirdness which people often associate with the term peculiar. Positive consideration of this word, the New Testament word, which is translated as peculiar in 1 Peter 2 and 9, is not an adjective, but it is a noun. The term for peculiar is a very beautiful word which is filled with great meaning for the body of Christ. The word embodies three related ideas. First, it relates to something which has been purchased. It relates to something which has been purchased. The word purchased the church. The Lord purchased the church. The Lord purchased the church. The Lord purchased the church. Acts 20, 28. Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The preacher that is deceptive to the church and uses the church for his benefit has a really hot place to go to when the over life is over. He bought us, for you are bought with a price. You are bought with a price. The word for bought means to buy or acquire as property with an emphasis on the place where the purchase took place. Now, if I had time, I would like to jump all the way back there, back in the Old Testament to, to Gomer and her husband, Hosea. Is that right? Hosea and Gomer. But I don't have time. But what Hosea and Gomer, what God used Hosea for was to show persons what they looked like and what they were when he bought them. Gomer was a prostitute. Every time, every time Hosea married her, to purchase her, buy her, get her out of her trouble, she'd go off and find her another, another fella. And God would tell him, you go after her. And one time he found her and she was on the block to be sold to the highest bidder. And Gomer paid more than anybody else would pay for this wretched woman. Have you got the picture yet? That's what you were. That's what I was. 
God spent everything he had to buy me out of that junk. God spent everything he had to bring me into this wonderful fold called the church. How could I speak against the church? How could I damage the church? How could I talk about the church? Throw mud at the church when God has purchased the church with the blood of his son, Jesus. I need to cry about the church. I need to cry about the church. I need to weep over the church. This word church, this word bought means to buy or acquire as property with a with emphasis on the place where the purchase took place. I've seen I've seen God buy people some strange way sometimes. I was in New Jersey and and my friend um called me one night about midnight and said, would you come to the house? said, there's a drunk here. And said, he wants prayer. said, I need some help. He was, I'm talking about, he was sloppy drunk. That's a southern term for drunk folks. He was sloppy drunk. He couldn't even walk. He just slopped along. We got down in his living room at midnight and started praying for Brother Lekorchik. And before he left, he was he was sober as I was. Saved and filled with the Holy Ghost with evidence speaking in other tongues. Never been to a church in his life. That God purchased him. And I probably told this story, but the very next Sunday morning he had an old he had an old crash with one of them very long wings that had Three tail lights down that old long wing on that thing, you know, the thing like along as a box car. He come to church and he had it full of people. Everybody he could scrape up in his community. And he done that as long as I was in New Jersey every day, Brother Courtney. That's God. Took him out of the hog pen and made him a a person who could join another group of people. That's why God keeps saying this church of mine is special. It's royal. It's peculiar. It's a holy nation. It's a nation within nations. My, 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 my. Jesus Christ redeemed us. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. The word rendered as redeemed is an intensive form of the word bought in 1 Corinthians 6 20. It literally means to buy from or out of and was used especially of purchasing a slave with a view to his freedom. It related to a payment of a price to recover from the power of of another. You know what you cost? You cost the life of God's Son. Man, shake yourself when you get up in the morning and say, I'm special. I'm somebody. I'm not going to walk around with my head down, dragging my feet, acting like I'm a nobody. I'm somebody going somewhere. Amen. 
It stresses the results of the purchase. The church consists of purchased, bought, and redeemed people who have been acquired by the Lord who freely paid the ransom for our soul's release. Secondly, from the idea of purchase emerges the thought of possession. Many ancient writers written documents established that the word was used for ownership or possession of the property which one had purchased. One noted Greek scholar has indicated that the term actually means private, unique possession. As purchased people, we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. In Corinthians 6, 19, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price? Do you understand when Jesus went away, he said, I pray the Father that he will send you another comforter of which when he comes he shall abide with you and shall be in you. When I realize and understand and think about the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity goes with me 724. I need to watch my tongue. I need to watch the direction of my heart. I need to be mindful of how I treat my brother and my sister. Hello? We're not our own. Barclay said, you therefore do not belong to yourselves. You are bought. Our blessed Lord bought us while we were yet in our slave market. The purchase price was his dear life. Thus we have become his, his private property. We are his possession. Thirdly, with the idea of purchase and possession is in, 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 incorporated the, the thought of preservation. The New Testament, in the New Testament times, the word was used of something which was kept safe as to preserve. The word is used in this sense in Hebrews 10.39 where it reads, But we are not of those who shirk back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering, preserving rather, of the soul. What the Lord has purchased and now possesses, he jealously preserves it as his own for his glory. God is very, very mindful of my goings about every day. God doesn't lose sight of me. I don't get lost from God. God's jealous over me. In, in closing, the, the construction of the original text is quite interesting to me. It indicates that God has a people for a special purpose. The purpose is revealed in the word translated as peculiar. Remember that the word peculiar originally referred to to a possession which was the private and exclusive property of God. Thus, this, this phrase literally means a people for God's own possession. 
God's own purchase, God's own special people, are a people designed by God to be His own. This title is employed to describe the church as a body of people who have been born of the same divine seed, who are bound together by a common bond, who have been purchased to be the private property of the Lord, and who are receiving good care as He zealously guards His own. Truly, we can say that the church is a people claimed by God for his own. How else could you sometimes explain some things when you don't know danger is there and all of a sudden you're spared from it? How else could I explain a car driving on the highway making circles as fast as I, my eyes could see the wall of the mountain going by and straighten up and drive itself? except that I was purchased, belonged to God. How can I do anything else but serve Him, worship Him? He's prepared a place for me. And I believe it's getting close to that coming time. How about you? Hallelujah. I hope I hadn't give you um, so much detailed stuff until you can't absorb none of it. But... Uh, I think it I think that we would we would do a lot better job with our relationship with the church if we understood the church what the church is what the church is about amen I'm appreciative of the church I appreciate the buildings that people build to have church in but I'm more appreciative of the church the body of Christ See the pastor now. Have anything to say? Be here Sunday. We're going to have a great day. Oh boy, he 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 mowed the grass Sunday, didn't he? This past Sunday. Woo! <laughs> he done what? He pulled the weeds up, didn't he? <laughs> Plowed the ground. Yes, Amen. Praise God. Amen. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the word that you give us. God, we just pray that it will settle in our hearts and keep us, Lord, faithful to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for our local church, God. We thank you for the blessings you've given us here, Lord. We, we thank you, God, for our pastor and his family, Lord. We thank you, God, for blessing us with good people. We just love you. There's so many things, God, that we could thank you for. We just love you, Lord, with all of our heart all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Amen.